I think I'll turn over to the loudspeaker. River Radio. Hello? This is only a test. This radio station will remain on the air, day and night. Across the Thames Valley. Turn on the radio and let's have some music. Turn it all the way up. River. Turn it all the way up. Radio. Spread the word. Hello, this is Amelia Fish. I am a registered associate nutritionist and you are listening to The Reset on River Radio. This show is all about nutrition and shaking off those common myths and misconceptions. On today's show, I am delighted to be joined by psychologist Dr. Jen Ward, who is a senior research assistant, associate tutor in applied psychology and data analyst. Today we are going to be talking all about Jen's journey in psychology, the link between our gut and brain, and talking all about well-being and positive psychology. If you have any questions for us today, you can message us in on our Instagram at River Radio Live or email me directly at amelia at river.radio. So I am delighted to be joined by Jen today. Hi Jen, how are you doing? Hello, yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Great, I'm really well, thank you. How's your morning been? Yeah, good, good. Nice and kind of quiet, but yeah, weather looks good as well, which is really nice as we get into summer. Um, We've had lovely weather here this week, but today it was kind of drizzly this morning, which wasn't nice where I am. Shame. Hopefully, hopefully, though, this is our summer. (laughs) We say this every year, but you got to be hopeful. Oh, I'm absolutely hopeful. We had some gorgeous weather I think on Tuesday it got to 26 degrees so quite happy about that (laughs) so I'm going to start off today's show as I start all of them by coming back with some of our fact and myth statements which we're going to be chatting about throughout today's show Um, and then we'll come back to them for a little pop quiz at the end and our audience can play along too um, but we'll be answering them as well in the studio So today we have actually six statements. Um, The first one is that we have trillions of bacteria in our gut, which can influence our brain, but not the other way around. The second one is mental health and and wellness are the same thing. The third one is that there are a variety of things that we can do to support our mental health. Then we have social well-being is a predictor of longevity. We have a set point or baseline for our happiness. And our final one today that we're going to be chatting about is that there are four blue zone areas in the world where people have higher than usual number of people who live much longer than average. I'm really excited to be chatting with you about these today, Gem. Brilliant. Yeah, I think we've picked some good ones, some quite interesting and diverse ones. Absolutely. And some of them, I absolutely have no idea what the answers are. So I'm going to be completely looking to you to help us answer them. Um, 
So I think let's start by chatting a little bit about you, Jen. Um, what's your background? Tell us about, about your interests. Yeah, so my name is Jennifer Wars. So as people can probably hear, I'm originally from Ireland. So I moved over to the UK uh, nine years ago, actually, this September. Um, so I came over to my undergrad. I didn't get basically the points I wanted in Ireland um, to sport and exercise science. So I came over to Cardiff in Wales. And I started studying here and I had always a huge interest from my sporting background Mm. in sport, in how to help athletes become their best selves from both a physical and mental point of view. But obviously nine years ago, mental health, well-being was not Mm. spoken about. So it wasn't really an area or psychology in general that I thought I would go into. Um, you know, sometimes people think they have a lifelong plan and it kind of sails through and you kind of know exactly what you're doing. I would say when I was 18, you're figuring it out. And I took the chance and came over and very grateful to my parents who supported me to do that. And I just met some great people along the way, some people who really inspired me to go into psychology and to think about mental health and think about the impact it can have, not just on athletes, on the rest of the world um so you know your average joe to anyone really who is looking to either flourish or simply just find little tricks in life so that inspired me to move up to edinburgh to my masters Mm. um and i loved it i was one of the most challenging things i've done and i've done a phd now and i would say a master's is so intense yeah (laughs) Yeah. i did my master's last year and it's Mm. so intense how like how much content they cram into one year yeah it's like you have like a 12 month deadline and it's like you need to get practice you need to get research experience and you need to pass exams Mm -hmm. in right i think it was a dissertation it was like ten thousand words but i think sometimes it's good for you to you know we're meant to experience pressure and anxiety to a certain level and I think it is good for people to expose themselves and and to really see how resilient you can be mm-hmm. and surprise yourself I think the pandemic has definitely shown that you know we are more resilient than we think and it's about learning to cope and finding mechanisms so yeah that inspired me to then come back down to Cardiff and do a PhD in uh, positive psychology which is the science of happiness and well-being little clue there for one of our <laughs> one of our mythbusters and yeah and then it led me on to currently working in London as a data analyst slash psychologist for a startup company and I work in different research roles so yeah my interest is as cheesy as it sounds is understanding human behavior cognitions feelings in order to drive positive change and I've taken down kind of the practice of psychology and research avenue. Wow I mean it sounds so interesting so amazing Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to dive into some of your research areas today. Um, So really what inspired you was it the change between your undergraduate degree to your master's degree that kind of inspired you to go into this area or where did that happen so like with any undergrad that anyone does or any course that you do you're kind of given different modules and I will say to all the students that I teach as well that is your opportunity to see what areas that you have an interest in Mm. and and to really see as well where your strengths and kind of uh, you know things that you find a little bit more challenging and to find that balance because basically in psychology is we work off flow states which is where you're completely absorbed in an activity and you know you lose your sense of self however if that activity is too high or too challenging it evokes a state of anxiety which Mm. doesn't lead to a state of flow and it's really important to kind of think about you know what are my interests 
kind of where could I take them so I did physiology biomechanics and exercise psychology mm. um math wow. was never my strong point <laughs> which is ironic because I'm a data analyst uh, <laughs> sometimes you know but I just found physiology and biomechanics you know I did well I got a first but I I wasn't mm. an interest of mine I just worked really really hard to, yeah. to try and like get by and if I'm honest it was because of the people around me that were telling me you know have you ever thought about psychology you know you have a natural mm. gift I got one of the best books as well that hugely inspired me called Grit by Angela Duckworth what was that called? which is based it's uh, Grit Grit yeah G-R-I-T for anyone who's looking for a book is it inspired me so much because I think in school and in anything we do we're put into categories mm. so you know you're put into lower level or higher level I don't know how it works in the UK but yeah. in Ireland it was lower and higher and it kind of is, is a status thing and it kind of sets you in your mind is that's your limitation and they basically just say that in this book that you know everyone has the opportunity to grow and learn which is what we call neuroplasticity the brain's ability to make new cells to reform and to grow and learn um so yeah definitely that book and on that book the um my mentor Michael Malik said you know, go fulfill your vocation. And I think ever since then, I just thought, yeah, I'm going to give this a go. And it's trusting in that, you know, I was 21, 22, Mm. moving up to Edinburgh, which was another kind of like a big step. And there's always people, if you're willing to reach out, that will help you. You know, you just have to be vulnerable. That's brilliant. And I think it's such an interesting thing to address and I hadn't even thought about bringing it in today's episode but how when we are categorized into something that that can set a limitation that you just think oh, okay that's what I'm going to get to and you don't if maybe you don't have that self-belief you don't actually you're not able to break those those um limitations that are put on you did you call that neuroplasticity so neuroplasticity is our ability in our brains to reformulate, to build new cells, build new cell connections. So, you know, that kind of a myth, I guess, of you're too late or it's too too old or yeah. whatnot. Well, technically, actually, there's no such thing as that to a certain degree. Um, so, yeah, it's just really interesting as well about trying to break through barriers that are set for us or even mm-hmm. that we set for ourselves, you know in school I hated maths I used to panic I still remember I was like a a young child my mum and dad sent me to one of my um he's my godfather and I remember going over to speak to his wife about maths and trying to get some help and I think it's really interesting like nerves like block Mm. they block our ability to kind of see things and, and we get so fixed so I always try and think you know don't go higher you know yeah. go higher than what you think and why not just try and achieve you know what is the limit really absolutely and do we form these kinds of barriers with regards to our mental health and well-being as well I would say so I think it's I think it's a combination of things I don't think anything is ever one way or the other way Mm. I think genetically you know we are predispositioned to a certain point but I also think there's this really big debate in psychology of nature and nurture Mm mm-hmm and, you know, sometimes it is about what we expose ourselves to. Um, and I love this quote it is we don't see the world the way it is. We see the world the way we are. Ah. And it's like this kind of like, you know, if you take off the mask and you look at it from someone else's perspective. So in a lot of coaching work that I do, I always, you know, say to anyone I work with, 
you know, what would you tell your friend? How would you look at it from that from that outsider point of view? Or someone that yeah. you would look up to, what would they say to you? Um, so I think it's a complex, but I think we have more control than we realise. And it's so true, isn't it? Like, I see it day to day um, within my own practice and when talking to people about how they treat themselves and how they look at their own bodies. And yeah. I ask them, would you say that to someone else? And they would always say no. So it's a big thing about how we talk to ourselves and that mindset that we have. And I guess it does take a lot of mental strength to break through those pre preconceptions that we've put on ourselves. 100%. And I think it's like an environmental thing as well as, you know, right now we're in a society where it is a lot about social currency. Mm-hmm. So if something happens, people respond to stay with the trend. Yeah. Or, you know, nearly like, I don't know about your listeners, but I remember growing up and feeling like it was okay to put you, it's okay to punish yourself. Mm. And it's like a really weird uh, philosophy that we have. And Brené Brown, one of the world leading uh, social psychologists speaks about it, is that sometimes we're too afraid to be happy in case something goes wrong. Mm. So we, it's a protection mechanism. So you never want to give yourself too many compliments. You never want to say to yourself, oh God, uh, if I'm too happy today, what happens if tomorrow is a bad day? So it is like a survival mechanism to a certain point. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like it's just fascinating how we speak to ourselves. Really fascinating. And we all deserve to be happy. And I guess that's what we're going to be getting on to in the next part of the show, chatting about how we can support our happiness. Mm, Exactly. Yeah. Different tips and tricks. Great. So I think I think after we've chatted a little about you, given a bit of an introduction, I think it might be time for a song. Um, and I've lined up for today our song uh, by Amri and Niall Horan. Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Ooh. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. I'll be honest. I'm alright with me. Sunday morning. In my own bed sheets I'll be waking up alone I haven't thought of her for days I'll be honest It's better off this way But every time I think that I can get you out of my head You never ever let me forget Cause Just when I think you're gone Hear a song on the radio Just like that takes me back
you gonna hear our song on the radio Just like that takes me back to the places we used to go And I've been trying but I just can't fight it When I hear it I just can't stop smiling I remember you gone Maybe it's just a song on the radio You are listening to Amelia Fish, a registered associate nutritionist on the Reset on River Radio. You can find us across all social media platforms at River Radio Live and on the website river.radio. Um, I am joined today by Dr. Jen Ward, who is a senior research assistant, associate tutor in applied psychology and data analyst. If you have missed today's show so far and would like to catch up, do not worry as this episode will be released shortly after the live show as a podcast and can be found on all of your main podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify and Google. If you have any questions for us today, you can message us in on our Instagram at River Radio Live or email me directly at amelia at river.radio. So far, we've spoken about Jen's journey in psychology and coming up later in the show, we'll be chatting all about mental health and wellness, an area where Jen has focused on her research. But now we're going to be chatting all about the link between our gut and mental health, which is one of my favourite areas and I can't wait to be chatting about it with Jen today. So Jen, what is the link between our gut and our mental health? Yeah, so this is a really fascinating one. Um, I don't know about your listeners or yourself, but I remember a few years ago, this food was not a topic in terms of happiness. You know, I had no idea. And for your listeners, technically, we have a second brain, which Mm -hmm. is in our stomach, um, which is really, really fascinating. So there's an emergence of science coming out now showing that there is a link between what we eat and what we put into our gut and our mental health. And a lot of this links to inflammation. Um, So that's the body's response to food. Um, But yeah, a really fascinating area. And I actually got into it with a nutritional therapist a few years ago. We set up a few workshops called Good Food, Good Mood. Mm. And we tried to take, so from my side as the psychologist and from my um, colleague's side as the, I guess, the expert in food and how they link and how it crosses over. Mm -hmm. Um, But it led us into this like huge range of, you know, it's not just about what you eat, it's why you eat and yeah. when and where and how. So, yeah, really, really fascinating area. And something that obviously you have a huge amount of knowledge in. Yes, it's definitely one of my favourite areas to talk about. Um, but I think you just said such an important point. It's not just about what you eat. It's about why you're eating, what you're choosing to mm. eat, the environment in which we eat. There are so many external factors other than just the food because food for many people can cause a lot of stress what am I going to eat that day do I have enough in Um, economics social all of these different aspects Um, so it goes a a lot um, very far beyond just the specific types of food Um, but you did also mention about inflammation and there are certain foods that are pro-inflammatory and certain foods that anti-inflammatory and is that what you're meaning by the types of foods that can influence our gut brain access yeah 
Um, so that's exactly what I was speaking about. And just this, as you said there, just that relationship between, you know, it's never discouraging people to eat unhealthy. And what even is unhealthy? You know, I hate, yeah. I really refrain from using good and bad. Me too. It's the same with like, oh, that's a good day or that's a bad day. It was yeah. just a day. And it takes that pressure off and that weight off. Like, for instance, last night I had a burger and it was absolutely delicious mm-hmm. with chips. And I would never, you know, before when I was younger or even a few years ago, I would have seen it. Oh, my God, I couldn't have done that on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds absolutely crazy, but my connect with some people is, you know, it's OK and everything in moderation yeah. and environmentally, like where you eat things is really important. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard about the happy pair. They're Irish uh, twins in Dublin. Uh-huh. And they talk about food as a celebration. Yeah. So, for instance, every morning they jump in the sea. Um, it's like a ritual. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of cold water therapy, but it's basically come on to the Amazing. NHS. It's um, it's really, really popular in the last few years. I think lockdown has highlighted where we have so many natural and free facilities on our doorstep. Let's appreciate them. Mm-hmm. And cold water therapy really helps people you know, with low mood, anxiety, and it was that release, release of tension. But they talk about it after a swim, that sometimes they'll have homemade cake in the morning. Mm-hmm. And they talk about, you know, before, so funny that a culture would go, that's really bad, but yeah. it's that celebration. And and food is everywhere. It's one yeah. of those things that we, it's, we're exposed to it all the time. And building a healthy relationship, I think, has a huge knock-on effect for mm-hmm. our mental health and our gut health. Absolutely. And I love this food as a celebration. And when we eat, we're celebrating our bodies as well. And the fact that we can taste all these delicious things. Um, And I think you mentioned a a good point there about um, having cake in the morning. I think... Uh, in society we especially within um, the United Kingdom we have this thing of three meals a day at breakfast you might have some kind of form of cereals at lunch a sandwich and at dinner would be your main meal with your protein and your veg that's such a set this is what we're going to have but I guess having a balanced and a good relationship with your diet and your body involves having flexibility and you know exploring different things and including variety and being okay as you said with a burger on a Wednesday because it's absolutely okay and actually it's very positive to have that relationship with your body and your mind and your food that you know that that is okay um and I completely agree with this black and white thinking of good and bad and healthy and unhealthy our diet our lifestyle is not that simple there's so many other factors to consider there and actually having that flexibility can really help support our relationship with our food Mm -hmm, definitely and it's like it's across all areas of life isn't it it's we have this all or nothing mentality for either exercise uh, you know if you're studying you turn your phone off for six weeks Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's filtered into a lot of our behaviors in the Western world, mm-hmm. which is not endorsed in Eastern, you yeah. know, it's about balance and it's about accepting of flexibility. And Caroline Dweck, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of her, she's a researcher and she um, speaks a lot about this fixed or growth mindset. Yeah. And I think the same thing applies to food is like seeing things as, you know, being flexible mm-hmm. and having that sense of flexibility, but also in our diets as you know we're not meant to eat the same food every day you know we're meant to have variation we're meant to have different types of food um and a big study that came out a few years ago showed that the more variation we have in our fruit and vegetables Mm -hmm. the better our gut health is yeah you know so thinking about how we can get different foods in and, and be exploratory and 
experimental. And now we're very lucky is that, you know, to fit in with this fast kind of culture that we live in, um, there's things like Oddbox and there's things like yeah. Fresh, Hello Fresh, which help and facilitate people. And, you know, we have, although, you know, currently with inflation, things are getting more expensive, but, you know, there is much more accessibility mm-hmm. to fresh food and veg and Aldi or, you know, places that you don't have to be spending a huge amount to get a broccoli. Absolutely. And you mentioned things like Oddbox then as well, because our gut has no idea if uh, fruit or veg is straight or wonky. It has no clue. Uh, so no. these are great ways and as well to reduce the food waste. Um, and you mentioned there about having variety in our diet and focusing on plant foods. And I just wanted to bring that back to those anti-inflammatory foods that we were chatting about earlier. And plant foods are really great for our gut health for that reason. And there's a difference, isn't there? Because recently I've seen that studies have come out that have under, tried to understand the difference in what we call fast food, vegan food, mm. and fast food, um, like meat. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting to always always look on the back of things and ask yourself, like, is this processed vegan food just as unhealthy? And yes. kind of thinking about, you know, making things from scratch as much as possible, but keeping it really simple as well. Yeah. But really interesting, the Mediterranean, Mediterranean diet actually is associated with better mental health than the Western diet. So that yeah. kind of high processed meat. So a lot of like, you know, it goes against the grain, a lot of fats, healthy mm-hmm. fats, avocados, like olives, things like that are actually shown to be better for our mental health. Absolutely. And I think it's important to remember about that flexibility and to not um, almost alienate processed foods because again in moderation and as part of balanced diet they are absolutely fine and you know really enjoyable to have in our diets however they can have pro-inflammatory properties um but yes I think it's a great point about uh the more processed plant-based foods um and I think what the research is generally saying it is a newer area that we're looking into because all of these products really are new um but what they're generally saying is that if you currently have a diet which is focused on plant-based which is focused on animal-based proteins and you're really struggling to cut those out maybe it would be a good alternative to choose the uh processed uh plant-based protein alternative but if you're already leading a plant-based life and you're um, focusing on all of those home-based foods and you are able to cook them yourself at home, it possibly isn't the best idea to then include lots of the processed plant-based products. And as you said, it's balanced, isn't it? It's like, I remember when I first started trying to eat more veggie and mm-hmm. it's like five years ago now and I know I, I did not know what quinoa was or yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't really I knew what a chickpea was but I didn't know you don't know how to cook it so no. you're kind of like okay I'll just go to the store and it was like I'll just buy that and it can really help you transition in um and there's also great apps out there right now I sound like I'm plugging but I'm not at all uh deliciously Ella I don't know if yeah. you've never heard of her she's London based and she has a great app and it's you know, even my boyfriend loves it because he loves the videos so he can like follow it step by step. I think it's like one ninety nine a month. But there's, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's so many opportunities now for us to learn mm-hmm. and to grow and to take stock and intuitively see as well how things Absolutely. make us feel. Because there's no prescription, I think, in diet. And I think um, you mentioned it well about having that all or nothing mentality um, and actually 
being quite inclusive about what we include. Um, I would like to talk about dietary patterns in a second, but just on this note of inflammation and all or nothing, I, from personal experience, I found that an all or nothing mentality can increase our stress levels and stress I know um, can increase our inflammation and how would that then influence our gut and our mental health? I think uh, from a mentality point mm. of view when you feel like you're restricted I know for me and I know from the people I work with as well when you feel like you're restricted you want something more mm-hmm. Absolutely. So depri- deprivation you know or you know there's a difference sometimes between a leader and a manager you know you know punishing someone as if you were punishing yourself or you know same kind of thing it really doesn't do well for humans mm-hmm. over a long-term uh, basis and it comes back again to that kind of thing is your body needs nutrients yes you know often we supplement with mm-hmm. you know which is an individual choice and based off different needs but often we supplement for no reason Mm-hmm. apart from you saw an ad on yeah. um, Instagram or, or online. So I think it's just really important to think about how does that make me feel? You know, does that deprivation, you know, am I knowing at the end of the six weeks I'm going to fall off the bandwagon? Mm-hmm. You know, and how would that make me feel? Mm-hmm. You know, because at the end of the day, we have this thing called stages of change and behavior change where basically there's these stages that you go through. And before you take any step into doing an intervention, like whether it's mental health, physical, or lifestyle behaviors such as smoking Mm -hmm. diet we have this pre-contemplation phase where you know you're kind of thinking about it but you're putting it off contemplation nearly is that phase where you put it on i had so many people when i did my phd who put the leaflet up Mm -hmm. on a fridge and kind of walked by it so you're kind of at that next stage and then the next stage is action you know but to make sure that you stay stay in that action and and maintenance Mm -hmm. there's always that case of relapse and it's just something to understand is what are my factors that could that could influence yeah. me to relapse? And is it thinking that like, you know, for me, if I went all or nothing, I know mm. that I would have probably, you know, ate too much when I, you know, and then we end up yeah. in that kind of binge cycle. So mm-hmm. I think it's people have to be intuitive. And I know for me, it's yeah. something that's not natural to me because when you're a kid, you're told to eat everything mm-hmm. on your plate and then you get to be an adult and mm-hmm. You know, I have no issue in saying that sometimes it's hard to know when you're full. Yeah. Because it's not it's not in me and it's something I've mm-hmm. had to train. Absolutely it is. And actually having that ability to look inside and think, how do I feel right now? Um, am I hungry? Uh, am I full? Or do you know what? That cake looks really good. I gonna I fancy a piece, I'm out, and that's also absolutely okay. But it does take a lot to trust ourselves again as as children we do it and we grow out of it as we get older and it's a process of relearning um but on that all or nothing mentality and speaking about dietary patterns are supporting our gut health and that supports our mental health I think it's important to look at our diet as a whole not just looking at specific foods because you could you know pick apart all of different foods and think this one's pro-inflammatory this one's anti-inflammatory But we don't eat singular nutrients and we don't eat singular foods. We eat a whole dietary pattern. So for our listeners who are looking, you know, to support our gut health and to support our mental health, following an entire dietary pattern that's inclusive of a variety of foods can be great. And Jen, you mentioned the prime example earlier, which is the Mediterranean dietary pattern. Yeah, and I, you know, when I was younger, like, it's, it's interesting, though, because I think every seven years our palate changes, so our taste yeah. buds change. 
And like I remember I hated olives and hummus and <laughs> I, I you know, you you're sixteen and eighteen, like but well as now it's so much more accessible and you know, things like that are really really delicious and you can even avocados you know on toast or mm. something really simple like that but I definitely uh, endorse you know moving away from all or nothing and giving yourself a break Absolutely. you know being kind to you it comes it always comes back to just give yourself a rest because it's really draining psychologically mm. to keep up something and you wear yourself out from overthinking Absolutely. you know we all that post-pandemic kind of fatigue is because for two and a half years of our lives we were constantly mm. living under threat responses and yeah. you were trying to get yourself through it's, it's tiring it really is tiring and I think that's a key message that's coming out of this episode is to be kind to yourself um and on that note I think it's time to play another song uh so today we're gonna play Cardigan by Taylor Swift Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. Vintage tea, brand new phone. High heels on, cobblestones. When you are young, they assume you know nothing. Smile, black lipstick, sensual politics. When you are young, they assume you know nothing. But I knew you dancing in your Levi's, drunk under a street light. I knew you hand under my sweatshirt, baby, kiss it better. I Around my scars But now I'm bleeding 
Listening to Amelia Fish, a registered associate nutritionist on the Reset on River Radio. You can find us across all social media platforms at River Radio Live and on the website river.radio. Today I am joined by Dr. Jen Ward, who is a senior research assistant, associate tutor in applied psychology, and data analyst. If you have missed the show so far where we've spoken about Jen's journey in psychology and the link between our gut and mental health and would like to catch up, do not worry as this episode will be released shortly after the live show as a podcast and can be found on all your main podcast platforms. If you have any questions for us today, you can message us in on our Instagram at River Radio Live or email me directly at amelia at river.radio. Now, I am really excited for this part of today's show where we are going to dive into Jen's area of expertise and really where her research has focused on, which is mental health and well-being. So, Jen, I guess an area to start, a question to start with here is what is mental health? Yeah, um, let's kick start with this one. So the definition of mental health is our state of well-being in which we realise our own opportunities and abilities and have that ability to be able to handle different stresses in our lives so that we can work productively productively and fruitfully and to make a contribution. So there's kind of, in a way, there's pillars that make our mental health better. And one of the biggest research areas that I focused on for four years was this model called PERMA, which is basically a model which if we have all these different pillars of well-being, they link to a better and more higher sense of well-being. And what they are is positive emotions. So a key question to ask ourselves every day is what has given me a sense of joy or contentment today? And there's different types of well-being, I should actually say, is there's hedonic well-being and there's eudaimonic well-being. So hedonic well-being is like that pleasure hit that we get if we have a sweet or if we open a can of Coke. While eudaimonic well-being is more about a sense of meaning and purpose that we have. So how much more fulfilling, I guess I would ask, is you know completing a task rather than quickly running to the shop to get a sweet and then sit on the couch. Mm. We often see that well-being is prolonged if we have more eudaimonic types of well-being in our life. And the same goes for positive emotions. So the positive emotions that influence a higher uh, well-being are things like joy and contentment and gratitude because they give us a sense of presence and they give us, I guess, not a quick fix, You know, they're really about slowing down and savoring. While things like excitement and happiness are often quick fixes. So I love to use the analogy of a heartbeat. So everyone's heart when we're living goes up and down. And that's the same for our mood and Mm -hmm. same for our state of well-being. So positive emotions. Then we have E for engagement, which is what I spoke about earlier is that sense of flow. So it is encouraged that every day in our life we have a sense of flow. So when I was a kid, I didn't even know what the conceptual term for this was. Is I would swim for two hours twice a day, once a day, um, some days, and I would just be completely in the zone. Mm-hmm. You know, I would not be thinking about anything else. And we all have that activity in our lives. And sometimes we have to search a little bit harder. What gives you that sense of flow where you lose that sense of time? You know, you're completely absorbed in the moment. You lose your sense of self, you know, that kind of, Mm. you know, sometimes we get a little bit insecure in ourselves, but you're fully present. You know, we might see it in things like colouring, maybe a certain work task, maybe walking the dog in nature, 
maybe sitting down after a coffee, you know, having a coffee in the morning, that loss of sense of self. Then we have R for relationships, that sense of, you know, who do we have and the quality of our relationships. M for meaning. So what gives us that sense of purpose and fulfillment? Um, And I had a client a few years ago and it was one of my oldest clients I've ever had. He, He was 96 and he came to me he was having some stresses in his life and we had this whole topic around uh conversation around meaning and he said to me everything is meaning if you give it a sense of intention and that has stuck with me so if you're cleaning intently clean you know if you're driving intently drive and then the last one is a for accomplishment so that's that perseverance towards that goal and that is asking ourselves every day is you know what are you working towards it's not about what you've achieved you know it's about the process and a lot of athletes would be in that mindset of it's process, process, process to get to the outcome. And I think if we forget what our process is, we will never get to the outcome. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of key pillars in terms of mental health. Um, so it's a really big area right now. When I started researching this, it wasn't. It, mm-hmm. it has exploded um, over the last few years. So was that positive emotions, engagement, mm-hmm. relationships, meaning and accomplishment? Yeah. So Amazing. the PERMA model. Uh, uh, it makes sense now, I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that one of accomplishment as well and how you said it's about the journey and it's not just about getting to that one specific point. It's about enjoying what we are currently doing and I guess being present in the moment and living for what we're currently like today to day life not the past, not the, the future but like actually being here today in the present. And that is such a skill because mm-hmm. we are all, you know, I would raise all my hands and say there has been so many times where, you know, a really good instant is when I was in my PhD, I was really focused near the end because I was so burnt out on mm. the on the outcome that I yeah. actually about to finish. You know, when you get your corrections back, you get corrections back from the PhD that they were things that I wasn't thinking about because I was so struck on the ending. Yeah. And, you know, there's a multitude of factors that were happening there. The pressure of doing a PhD, we had come out of pandemic or we were still in a pandemic. Wow. And so there was a multitude of environmental things. But when I think back, it's, to, it's never really about the outcome because there'll always be something bigger. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, one of my best friends, she's a GB athlete, and we always have this conversation of, you know, if she makes it to the Olympics you know will there then be something else are humans ever fully satisfied and I think it's a key question to ask yourself and how can we get that satisfaction I honestly think it is having a goal and having a perseverance towards something and contributing in some way you know within our control to make the world a better place I've always had that thing is no matter what I do and to the best of my ability you know, even if I'm having the most rubbish day, I will always just try and smile at someone or be kind. And, you know, I am very, I say, a very ambitious person and I love having goals, but I think sometimes you lose yourself in those yeah. goals. And I think it's about slowing down and going, you know, for instance, could you ring a friend or, you know, could you ask someone if you're okay? And who cares if you don't get your worst task done today? You know, the, you, you, you won't, the world won't end. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I think it's just that realisation. And I guess that kind of comes back to the positive emotions because you mentioned two different types and those ones are long-lasting. You're going to get more of those gratitude and, and contentment from 
actually giving to others and trying to make the world that we're living in even if that's your own world your own little bubble and like that bubble of friends you know you don't need to make world changes but like to the people in your life and around you if you can make a positive impact on them I guess it's going to give you those emotions rather than so much of the quick fixes yeah and I think we are in a society where dopamine hits are very strong so for instance things are very quick and we are losing our sense of slowing down and presence and just actually thinking you know just take it easy Mm. and you know I think telling ourselves sometimes that is really really important and I I find it really fascinating because I think you know people say find a purpose I don't really believe in that I think it's finding purposes across life. Mm. So, you know, you could be a really great parent, but you could also be a really great colleague. You can also be a really great gardener. You're not one thing. Like humans are so complex. And I think a lot of that sometimes falls down to identities. And, you know, I would never really refer to myself as, I like to, you know, you just say I'm Jen or, you know, it's just trying to see see yourself as, you know, just just a regular person and not get caught up on titles. Well, I actually had a conversation with someone the other day and it was how quickly in a conversation when you chat with someone, you know, that you've met someone new is do you ask or is the question asked you what job do you do? It's usually a pretty early on question. And I think it's great to love the job that you do and really enjoy it. Like, I feel so lucky to enjoy my job. But we're not just that one identity. We are a whole person. And it's quite interesting how quickly we get identified by our job title, effectively. Yeah, and you always, I, I, you know, you, you see it in yourself. It's like, oh, what do you do? And sometimes it is genuinely interesting because I love what I do and I it challenges me to the right level. You know, some days I, my work-life balance isn't great and I put my hand up. I also think that sometimes in life there is no sense of balance mm. and you have to try and, you know, there's periods in life where you have to work a bit harder and, and that comes up and it goes. But I think as well as learning that, I think we're about to come into a new type of working a situation yeah. where it's like this portfolio working where our generation so millennials gen z's the below that will maybe have this portfolio type of working where an employer now wants you to be multi-facet mm-hmm. you know you you need to kind of have an, a build of skills in order to do jobs so it kind of comes back to you know school and education is do different things it's like an athlete you know from a, a summer perspective is you often try and have a few races under your belt that you're quite good at rather than just one. Yeah. You know, diversification, isn't it? Absolutely. I think that's so interesting. So uh, we've used the PERMA model to speak about mental health. Mm-hmm. But then what is wellness or well-being? Yeah, so this is where the lines get a little bit blurry. Yeah. And often the time is, these are just terms, right? They're terms uh-huh. used in uh, psychology, but mostly in the academic world. So wellness is technically your act of practicing a habit on a daily basis to maintain a physical and mental health outcomes mm-hmm. you know so and then well-being is technically defined and maybe your users will or listeners will catch on to this well-being is defined by the nhs as feeling good and functioning mm-hmm. um and it's about you know living your best life in a way of you know you're functioning you're social you're able to work but now for me coming back and and going back into kind of the world of research you know after taking a bit of time after off the phd there isn't a huge difference between mental health and well-being anymore from my perspective 
the difference lies in your mental health and mental ill health. So I think for you know anyone who is has a clinical diagnostic you know disorder, mm-hmm. you know you can't just sometimes solve that by journaling. You mm-hmm. know there is there is NHS, there is guidance done under strict therapies on how to help people. While I think for well-being and mental health, there's things that you can do such as walking, you know, going for a run, talking to friends. And I think it's really just looking at your circumstance. And yeah. it's kind of thinking about the same way from like, you know, if you sprained your ankle, would you rehab the same way as if you broke your ankle? Yeah. No. And you, and you couldn't, right? Yeah. And it's the same thing with our mental health, I feel. I think that's such a great way to um, help people imagine what you're talking about completely. So there's a difference between mental health and mental ill health yeah. and then mental health and well-being. Yeah. And I guess if there's someone listening and they're trying to figure out, you know, should I be reaching out for help? What like what advice could you give on like a very general level? Because obviously we're on the radio, but um, for them to think, right, I should probably reach out to help. And where should they go? Yeah, I think right now we're, it's kind of a bit of a tricky one. A lot of services are under pressure, mm. but I think, you know, it's about looking at the right resources. So I would always, you know, go to your GP, go to your community pharmacy, mm-hmm. you know, look on the NHS website, look on the Samaritan's Mind, have great sources. And I advocate therapy for everyone. Like yeah. I've had therapy, I've had to in my, in my practice and I still have, you know, even as not practice, you know, not yeah. learning anymore in that way. And I just think it's prevention. It's, you know, don't wait to eat an apple until you have a gut health problem. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you yeah. know, taking care. There's such um, a stigma, I guess, around going to therapy. And there really shouldn't be because I guess if you're going to it as prevention, are you doing it to support your well-being? And that's a great thing to feel good in yourself and you know to chat with someone who's not there to judge you they're probably possibly not going to say very much back but just someone to listen yeah I think we all need you know and it's really interesting because I feel like at different times in your life you have different requirements so Mm -hmm. you know when I lived in Edinburgh I didn't have a great social circle and so I you know what I had to do therapy as part of my practice Mm -hmm. and that really helped me at that time what is now you know I have a great circle of friends and my needs are different. So I think mm-hmm. it's that really listening to yourself. And, you know, a lot of things we push away as we get older, you know, we say, oh, we'll deal with that. And, it, and things build up. Yeah, It's like an injury, you know. For instance, I sprained my ankle, I think it was like 15 years ago now, and I still have an issue with it. And it's it's kind of that same mentality of yeah. there. And at certain, certain times I push it too much in the gym and it kind of like gets really sore. And then I know to kind of ease off. And I always try and make that analogy of, what you do for your physical health, i.e. going to a gym, going for a run, the same mentality for mental health. I think that's a great point. And I guess that comes um, back to looking at yourself internally and like actually considering how do I feel right now. So for me, what I do is I... I write one sentence a day and actually that just allows me to reflect on my day. It takes me like, you know, two, three minutes max, but it just allows me to have a quick reflection. How, how did today go? Am I good? yeah um and then you know go on with the day but like looking for those things that work for you and in your lifestyle to have a little reflection look internally at how you're doing and if you feel like you're pushing it a bit too hard as you would if you'd like injured something then you can um always go backwards and just have another think about what you can do to support um so at this i'm not sure if jen's just paused there 
Jen, can you hear me? I think we're just having a little bit of an internet problem. Um, So do you know what? I think we're going to play a song just whilst we sort that one out. So this is our song by Anne-Marie and Niall Horam. Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. I'll be honest, I'm alright with me Sunday mornings, in my own bed sheets I'll be waking up alone, I haven't thought of her for days I'll be honest, it's better off this way But every time I think that I can get you out my head You never ever let me forget, cause on the reset on River Dot Radio. Um, I am joined today by Jen and we just had a couple of internet problems um, but I think that she's logging back in right now. Um, Jen, can you hear us? Yeah, so sorry, my Wi-Fi just dropped out there. <laughs> Amazing, not a problem. We just played a bit of Niall Horan and, and Anne-Marie whilst, whilst we're waiting for those to resolve. Great That's to have it. you back. Um, sorry about that. Absolutely no problem. It happens, doesn't it? I think we're all used to a few internet and Zoom problems <laughs> over the past Too couple of years. <laughs> um well, I think unfortunately we're at the end. We're nearly near the end of the show, um, and I can't believe it because I could actually carry on talking to you about this topic for a very long time. 
Um, I know, it's, it's great. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for coming. But I think ju- we've got a, ju- just a few minutes that we can wrap up and do our fact or myth for, that we mentioned at the beginning we've been chatting about throughout the, um, today's show. So the first one that we said was that we have trillions of bacteria in our gut which influence our brain but not the other way around. So I'll let you do that one. So that one's for me. Um, So that one is a myth. We do have trillions of bacteria in our gut, um, but it's a bi-directional communication, that gut-brain axis that we were chatting about earlier. So it's not just that our gut influences our brain, it's also that our brain influences our gut. The next one that we had was that mental health and well-being are the same thing. Technically, yes. Uh, from the literature perspective from an academic world no but from a practice and I think what everyone can take away is yes absolutely great then we have there are there are a variety of things that we can do to support our mental well-being true absolutely um uh, some of which are through diet, um, which we've spoken about mm-hmm. today and looking at an overall um, uh, dietary pattern that supports our well-being. The next one is that social well-being is a predictor of longevity. 100%. I think it's often one that's overlooked. Um, so there was this big study showing that people who were lonely um, as the people who were smoking and uh, drinking alcohol died quicker than those who um we're with those type of lifestyle behaviors so loneliness is so important really interesting we then had we all have a set point or baseline for our happiness which is true so this model came out a few years ago um basically that looked at there's these three kind of big variants in terms of our um how we how happier we are in our mental health and one of them was that we all have a genetic baseline and set point the degree was technically 50%, but recently um, new science has come out, which has questioned that figure. But yes, we have a genetic um, set point. That's so interesting. And just quickly, we've got our final one, which is there are four blue zone areas in the world where people have a higher than usual number of people who are who live much longer than average. Uh, false. Uh, there's actually five. Ah. Uh, one in Greece, Japan, Sardinia, California, uh, Costa Rica. Oh, great. That's so interesting. Thank you so much for joining me on today's show, Jen. We are now at the end, um, but do make sure to uh, catch up if you didn't already, if you didn't listen to the whole show and we are available on most podcast platforms. I'll be back next week with another show, but until then, keep on listening to River Radio and coming up next, we've got Stage Door. Enjoy and I will see you soon. We're going to end with a bit of Slide Away by Miley Cyrus. Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music.